Welcome to the 11th episode of Sawdust Nation with Josh from North Country Woodworking and AJ from Crafted in New Jersey. What's going on, Josh? Well, the shop is empty right now. Um, I just had the last of my projects picked up. The clients are happy. Um, they're in their homes and being used. So the cornhole boards are out. They were picked up today. And uh, the shelf for behind the couch has been picked up as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's kind of weird going out there and... Uh, I do, <laughs> and not having a project, you know, in the making. Now I have a couple small side ones that, that I'm working on, but those are for myself and they can, you know, be six months in the making and not worry about it. But other than that, I got the farmhouse table that I need to uh, start working on here very shortly. With that, I do have some other projects that are going to be started once the new baby's here and October hits. But uh, those include the coffee table we've talked about in previous episodes. I have a entryway that I'll be pricing out here and getting that build underway. I also will be building another Thor hammer. Nice. Yeah, they liked it so much. They actually, uh, one of the guys in their shop won a, a hammer just like it. <laughs> so I'll be building another <laughs> seven pound hammer with that. And that's that's just the icing on the cake. I'm actually going to be building these hammers about half the size, so I think two feet, so about a foot, as going away presents for military personnel. So as nice. people leave their uh, their squadron or the platoon, because I think they're army, um, they'll be contacting me with the details, and I'll be producing those hammers for them. That's an awesome thing for us to be working hand-to-hand with, um, and I'll be making a lot of humors coming up here. Yeah, right? Nice, man. Uh, so I, I can't complain. You know, I will continue to be busy and uh, have some future endeavors that I'll be uh, enjoying here sometime at the end of the year. Nice. What else? Anything else you got going on? I mean, you got a ton going on. <laughs> you know it. Um, so yeah, I've been using the 3D printer quite often. I've been trying to post about it daily. Um, you know, testing its limits, testing my limits and how I use it. Recently, I just did a entire line of updates for my laser engraver with a 3D printer. I haven't installed them yet, but they do include a Z axis. So now that I'll be able to actually move the laser head on a Z axis manually, not with a separate motor. Wow. But that's, that differs in now I can't move it at all and to move the Z axis and the height. That's me lifting it up or stacking stuff to make the piece get closer or further away from the laser. <laughs> so small improvements, small improvements. Um, I also will be doing some feet so the actual entire frame will be in one place and that can't be bumped and everything. I did some L brackets, much like a CNC bed, so I can put mm-hmm. those in place and have a zero zero and know where that is instantaneously. And I did four of those. So if I do a project, nice. I can line it up. Especially, obviously, if it's square, put it in that position and I can reference off that position without trying to trace it and doing all this other fun stuff I've done in the past. I I got these little upgrades that are going to hopefully prove to be major upgrades as I progress in my laser engraving. And then doing this also allows me to work with my 3D printer, figure out how I can print better quality parts and get to that stage where I can start offering that service as, you know, a selling point part of my, uh, my business, quote unquote. Yeah, man, you know me, you know, always something going on here at North Country Woodworking. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you know, it's been busy, you know, baby appointments and shop projects and everything in between. I can't complain. Life is uh, pretty steady right now. So what's going on in your shop, man? I know that you have a lot going on as well, especially with all those wedding projects that you've been doing. Yeah, we got um got 17 days until the wedding, and then uh, Kim's going to kick my 
But if she hears this, but anyway, I got a ton of wedding projects to do. What you gonna you gonna wrap me out? No, it's just when she listens to this and turns around, you know. <laughs> She's probably laughing right now in the other room. Probably, but anyway, I got um wedding projects going on. I uh, got a few signs that I've been posting about, and we did those on the CNC. And actually, while I was doing it, um, they were just you know a V bit that was engraving some lettering. And I've used Aura Mask for the, this will be the third time. And the first couple times I used it wasn't on these projects, but I used it on something else. And I had a lot of bleed through. Come to find out I was applying it wrong. I would just kind of put it on there, smush it down with my hand, thinking I got enough air out. So this time what I did was I took a lot of precautions. I blew it off with air, wiped it down with a microfiber and squeegeed all the air out. And they did not bleed whatsoever. I mean, I even spray painted and I had nothing, no sanding afterwards. It was a beautiful thing. Definitely. I think you've used Aura Mask before, right? I have not. And the more I see it used, I'm really curious on like how it would do with the laser. I It's plastic. I get it. I, I don't know like how much it would melt like or if it would be a clean mm. cut. It's that's kind of like a new territory because like it's a surface I haven't cut on before. But if it mm-hmm. worked, man, think about the possibilities. I could do these really fine engravings and then, you know, spray paint over them or, you know, stain on them. And that stuff, especially in the CNC world, is amazing. And I, I need to get myself a little piece of it and just give it a try and see how it works. Probably catch flames and burn down my shop, but uh, <laughs> then I could build that dream shop. Jesus. <laughs> Oh my lord! But I'm I'm curious. I, I haven't looked any further because once I watched a few videos of the Aura Mask, they mentioned one number. I think it's an eight thirteen, um, and I don't know what that stands for. So don't quote me on any of this. Um, but that was the one I stuck with, and like I said, I took a lot of precautions with it because I wanted to make sure these were kind of come out good. I mean, I could have sanded down the uh, bleed through. But I didn't want to do any more work, and I wanted to see if I can get the result that a lot of people online are getting. Because I see them, you know, doing the clean cuts on the CNC. Next thing you know, they're painting them or doing something with them, and the Aura Mask is holding up well. And I have to say, it came out amazing. So I'll definitely be using that. I have one more sign that I have to do, but I'm kind of hesitant right this very second because I have to do another test run on my CNC because... I found out that my router was not 100% square to the um, X-Rail. So what was actually happening was I didn't notice it on any of the signs I was making because it's a pinpoint, you know, uh, bit. So now I actually had to flatten something out that I did some epoxy pouring on. And it was a test piece. And I'm noticing that I'm getting a lot of lines. And I only did it on a piece of, I think it was three-quarter ply. So you actually see it going through the veneer and I'm going, okay, I can see, you know, plywood down here, but still veneer is exposed. So I'm going, it's digging on one side. Well, what happened was it wasn't hundred percent 90 and you really see it once you get a larger bit. So I think I was using about an inch flattening bit and you really saw it, you know, using an eighth inch down cut bit, you're not going to see that little bit of movement. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it was just from assembly or did it maybe tweak over, you know, over the time of me using it. Cause I literally, I've assembled that. I 
put it to work and I haven't touched anything, I'm going to actually knock on wood because it hasn't moved. Nothing has. So I got to do another test run with it, make sure that it's good. And then I don't know if you recall the walnut piece that I did some copper epoxy mm-hmm. or yeah. copper. Yeah. That's sitting downstairs waiting to be flattened. Um, I could do it other ways, but you know, my thing is I want to get used to using the CNC to maybe start to flatten out small slabs, you know, flatten out more epoxy pores. At least then I'll have that under my belt and I'll know it's working right. So, um, Maybe tomorrow or Thursday, I'm going to throw another test piece on, see if I can get a nice, flat, even um, cut. And then if I'm good, then I'm flattening that walnut, carving on a sign. And I'm really, I'm itching to get that epoxy um, cleaned off because I want to see how those voids and those uh, cracks came out. Because my first time using epoxy and it actually went fairly well. And one of the funniest things was, I'm thinking epoxy. For some reason, I'm watching all these river tables we built, and it's very liquidy. But in my head, I'm thinking of like the two part epoxy that you use to like the the um ah you know the the plastic weld. You know how thick it is. Yeah. Well, I wasn't. I was thinking this was going to be thick. I literally started. I just tipped a cup a little bit to pour it in the uh, into one of the voids, and <laughs> it came out all over the place. And I'm going, wow. I can't believe like, you know, it's this liquidy. So I had to really concentrate on where I was pouring it. And of course I made a mess of the whole thing. You're going to, especially with epoxy. Uh, what I was going to mention to you when I saw your stories was use silicone to make like a little bit of a dam. And that will give you a little bit of a, even if you over pour that little area, which you should, because mm-hmm. some of those cracks will actually start sucking in that epoxy as you step away and you'll yep. come back and you're going to have voids and stuff. Using that as a dam, it will definitely help you out. And then what people do is when it dries, you take a, a putty knife and the, that mm-hmm. heat gun and you just scrape off the top and there you go. You know, I, it's funny. I actually saw another maker doing a, um, a small little epoxy pour and I was asking him a couple of questions and I noticed that he had what I thought was silicone around the edge of, of the void. And I said, Oh, what kind of silicone do you use? And he actually said he uses hot glue. Yeah. So yeah. he puts, which I'm like, okay, the hot, I got a hot glue gun and like probably a thousand sticks sitting downstairs. So that'll be perfect. So next time I do something, I'm definitely going to try it, you know, cause now that I have the epoxy in the shop, I definitely want to dabble into a few other things. Um, but besides the, well, the wedding projects, the cornhole boards are coming out better than I thought. Um, but <laughs> I had a small issue with my, with Tiffany. She wasn't wanting to cut straight for some reason. And I was blaming it on the saw, not the wood because pine from Home Depot is straight. hundred percent. I don't care what, <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. That warped piece is dead straight. So, I've never seen a warp piece from a pine in my entire <laughs> life. Never had to deal with that in a client. Yeah, wow, this sounds really familiar. Yeah, right. I so I, I definitely thought the saw had an issue, and come to find out, it was just that the piece had a tiny little bow in it, and it was making my cuts not perfectly ninety. So when I put the cornhole boards together, I'm noticing I had some small gaps and whatnot. But I fixed it up, no problem. And I have to still assemble the second cornhole board and get the legs cut for it. And of course, on my ride home, I completely forgot to grab carriage bolts from my job. And uh, so tomorrow I'll grab them. And I'm not sure, did you use 
nuts on the inside or wing nuts? Ha! And actually, this will be the second conversation I had about the hardware for cornhole boards today. <laughs> or was it between yesterday and today? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, long story. So, I went to a certain blue hardware store and ordered everything online. I show up, I grab everything, and I go home. I try and install hardware. And my half-inch carriage bolts I put in just fine. Went to go install, you know, the washer and the wing nut, and they were three-eighths. Oh, jeez. So I had to go back, return the hardware, except for the carriage bolts, and get the correct ones, and then go home. So what should have been easy, go grab, come home, ended up being two stops that I didn't want to do. To answer your question, I do use wing nuts, and I actually, I my client, my the first set I made, requested them, and that's why I started using huh. them. He goes to tournaments and he told me that he liked the wing nuts so he can loosen and tighten because if you use a bolt and you tighten it too much, it's a pain and it wears out the wood and all this nonsense. And with the wing nut, he can loosen it. He can put it in a place, tighten it down and it's stiff. It's not going anywhere. And then when he puts it away, same process. And it's something that he can continually do. He can change out the leg without any kind of wrench or anything. Cause the way I do is yeah, I, yeah. I take a foster bit. I do a half inch hole and then the carriage bolt end, the square end, I pound it in so it stays in place. Mm-hmm. So that idea and his reasoning, I, I liked it. So this last set I did, I did the same thing. And when they came and I explained it to them why I did it, they seemed to love the idea too. So, I mean, okay. yeah, because, you know, the legs, something can happen to them. I don't know what. Use your imagination. But uh, if they hey, ever – Hey, haven't you ever, haven't you ever played a cornhole game – where it was getting intense. It was getting right down to the line. The next thing you know, you just go over there and just, what happens if somebody comes over and kicks the leg out from under it and breaks it? I, I think the, if they're going to kick it, I think the plywood's going to give before the, the two by four leg. No, they got to go for the legs because, I mean, that's the weakest spot. You're not going to go for the two by the, the plywood. You're going to go over there. You're going to, never mind. I'm S- ranting. Sir, <clears throat> let me make this very clear. The way I build. My cornhole boards, you would break your toe before you'd break my leg. <laughs> you build them out of two by fours or one by one, one buys? Four by fours. Four by four, sure. <laughs> no, two by fours. Um, and the only reason I did that was because when I went to the Cornhole Board Association of America, they're, they're really, <laughs> it's a thing. Instructions said half inch plywood. And two by fours. So I went with that. I'm picturing you in front of like a whole group of guys holding the bean bags in their hand, sitting in these big like courtroom jurors chairs, <laughs> like the judge chairs, and they all have gavelins and or they have big Thor hammers that you probably made for them. And they're just sitting there and just shaking their head when you said, I'm going to use one by threes and then you were going to do two by fours. I don't know where I'm going with this. I have a very vivid imagination on this. I see that. I think it's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, man. That's uh, – yeah. I'm thinking one by threes just like you are. I'm thinking three-quarter mm-hmm. inch plywood. And I'm like, that's going to be sweet. You know what I'm saying? Pretty simple. I don't have to mess with you know a two by four or any of this. And mm-hmm. I saw that and that's what they wanted. I joint all the two by fours, make them flat. Oof. And yeah, it's a process. But you know what? It gets faster and faster each time. And actually, I have uh, all the pocket holes, the wood already jointed up for another set. I just have to put it together. Yeah, my mine are three-quarter top, 
and then one by threes. Um, actually, I did like you know I ripped down my own pieces to one or three and a quarter, so that because I looked online and everything has to be four inch high. So I I'm making it sort of to spec specification, but not a hundred percent because I'm using you know different wood and whatnot. But I fell in love with this piece of um, red oak veneered plywood, and I mean the grain on it. It's absolutely crazy so i can't wait to clear it and that's all i'm going to do to it i'm not going to paint it not going to stain it just going to leave it natural and clear it with uh, some spar so you know when it's outside it won't you won't have to worry about any water or anything like that so um but anyway i'm going down the whole rabbit hole we went down the rabbit hole last week i want this week. i want to go just a little further because i want to talk about spraying spar okay minwax spar you sure it's not Min Varathane Hellsman Spar? No. I will say I am not going to use oil again. Yeah, when I saw your vi- when I saw your story about that you were waiting for like the gods to come down from heaven to say it's dry, I I was kind of questioning on why you went oil. Okay, the finish it turned out great. It really did, but it's touchy. Like you can't do anything with that board, and even when you think it's dry. If you touch it, it will move on you. It's just, hmm. it's very touchy. And I had to sand and reapply and sand and reapply. It's just, it took forever to dry. It would sit in the sun, sit, let it just, you know, beat down on it all day, take it in. Next day, do another coat. Man, I'm telling you what. And then when I, mean, I had to clean the gun, because I had to use the gun today and apply some uh, another finish. It took me like an hour and a half to clean it, and it wasn't the gun's fault. Wow. It was just because there was so much caked on everywhere, and I'm using you know mineral oil to get all the stuff off, and it was just it was a mess. I'm not gonna lie, I'm spoiled. I, I like using the water based products. You wash it in water, <laughs> and then you keep going, yeah. and it's it's one of those things where it's worth doing. If I ever have to use oil, if I begin using oil for whatever reason again. I will buy another gun, like I said I would, and keep that separate. That way, like, I'll clean it. I don't have to worry about any of it contaminating the water-based. Because that was a, like, that was a big thing for me. I don't want any of it to get into the water-based stuff. Mm-hmm. I cleaned it, and then I ran water through it for, like, I'm exaggerating, but, like, 30 minutes to make sure that, you know, nothing would get into the water-based products. Jeez. But. Yeah, I. The finish turned out great. <laughs> How long from start to finish did it take you to complete that piece? With you know, from not not the piece by making it, but just clearing it from the second you started spraying it till the the end when you said it's done. It's hard to remember exactly, but uh, probably three to four days. Wow! Because I did uh, two to three coats on top. And then I went and I did two coats on the bottom. The only reason there was probably an extra layer on top was because I did the second layer and then I turned it over after I thought it was dry and I put it on two by fours so that way I can lift it off the ground and I can spray the bottom. And when I flipped it back over, some of the finish was messed up. Yep. Uh, That that water-based one takes, I think, like an, an hour to dry unless you put it on heavy then of course it's going to take a little longer, but I know you can probably get a couple coats, you know, in in no time with the water. Yeah, and that that's that's the kicker. Like maybe those uh, corner boards will never need to be refinished in their lifetime. Hopefully, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, but 
it's not worth it, man. Like the client kept asking, Hey, are those done? Are those done? And I'm like, I thought they would be done by now, but it's still drying. Wow. That's crazy though. I know I, you know, I kept on looking at the oil based one on, uh, on the shelves every time I walked past and I was wondering why it's always there. And I, I constantly ask, why don't they stock the water-based one? It, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you look online, the blue store and the orange store, they they both don't uh, even carry it. it. It's never in stock. And it doesn't even say it's like out of stock. It says it's not available at this store, any store that I've checked. I, I wish I knew too, man. And maybe I was doing something wrong. Maybe I laid it on too thick. I don't know. All I know is it took forever. It took longer than I would like it to have and the client. Mm-hmm. So lessons learned. They loved it. Uh, when the gentleman picked it up, he's like, wow, you did this? This looks amazing. Like far past what I expected. And I'm like, well, that's good. Yeah, right. I mean, at least at least it, you know, it turned out good. But real quick, which home right sprayer you have? You know, by any chance? I have the Terminator 3000. You know, I, I was actually just about to type that in. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he's kidding. Just kidding. I think. Because I, at the price point, you said it was about $80? Yeah, because I got the, like, the deluxe version, whatever. It came with yeah. some extra nozzles and stuff like that. The one thing that is nice about the um, the Wagner sprayer I have is the tips. Like I could change out the handle to a different um, container, but the tip stays with that container. So I never – I don't have to clean it until it – until it screws up on me and clogs. So literally my container with the clear stays with its own nozzle. So that's it that's because I was looking at the home rights and even after I had the Wagner, but then now looking at it now, I can understand where your frustration came in when now you wanted to use water-based and now you can't because now you gotta change you gotta clean every little piece of that. Yeah, it's the home right C eight hundred nine seventy one dot A. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, it was uh yeah. about a hundred bucks. But uh which one do you have? It's the Flexio four thousand, I believe. It's the Wagner. You might hear me typing four thousand four or three thousand. Let me see. Sorry we're going on tangent, everybody. Anyhow, so anyway, if I was gonna do it again, I would definitely not go with uh any oil base. I would definitely go with the water base. Even if I had to order on Amazon and wait the two day mm-hmm. shipping. Yeah, it definitely I'm telling you, I, I enjoy the spar at this point because I'm learning on how to do it the right way. Like I said, it's right to me because it comes out good. Um, the very first time I kind of ran into a similar issue where I pulled it too much because I went too slow with the spray and I noticed on the edges it would drip and then it would collect and then I'd have like, you'd see it. So this time, last time I sprayed it actually was on some flags and it came out actually really, really good. I can't wait to spray these because I do know that the clear does change the coloring a little bit and bring out the depth of it. So I'm really curious on how this is going to turn out. So tomorrow, maybe I'll get the legs and the next cornhole board um, complete if I can remember the carriage bolts. And um, since these are going to be for us, I think I'm just going to use a carriage bolt, probably a washer, and then double nut it so that the nuts won't back off. I'll tighten them enough that they're snug and then, you know, leave them. And then if I make another set, then I'll do wing nuts. Besides that long rant, I got a new bandsaw. Yes, you you did. 
I remember the night you texted me, and I'm like, "What are your What are you doing? Just go get it. You shouldn't be asking around. Go get it." I hope you weren't texting me at night asking me what am I doing right now. Well, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to clarify, Josh actually texted me because I found a really good deal on a Rikon ooh, 10, 324. Ah, three two four. Sorry, I'm sorry. I don't have the deluxe model. Sir, it's okay. But um, you know, you have the Merca and I have the Deluxe. Yeah. <laughs> I think we evened out on that. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's it's Deluxe to me because I was dealing with a little Wen uh, benchtop that couldn't go any more than I think like five and three quarter height, and uh, now I have a massive thirteen resaw capacity. I mean, this thing's gigantic. It sits a foot away from my ceiling. Dude, when like I checked out because I'm like, okay, so what does the three two four have different or better, or mm-hmm. whatever from the three two six? And the resaw is the same. Uh, the majority of the bandsaw is similar. Um, I I have a newer model, which you know, with that comes with you know certain features. But I mean, it's it's really just an older model of what I have. It, that's all it is. I mean, some of the. Uh, the guides and stuff are a little different in the way they're set up, but mm-hmm. dude, it it was a great buy. You know, we we should win yeah. something from marketplace like a trophy or something. Because the last two weeks, me and you, you and I have got marketplace unicorns, things that you never see. Oh yeah, you got your drum sander. Like, dude, I I marked it with a sticker, and it's definitely it's it's part of the shop. Yeah, I got to throw a sticker on it as well. But I, I went, of course, I'm, you know, racking my brain when I saw it and I'm going, do I need it? Do I not? You know, I'm not going to buy it. So the guy actually had it up for 550 I messaged him and um, got him down. And when I watched some videos online, there was a uh, Rikon uh, video showing the comparisons between the 324 and the 326. And yours has toolless um, adjustments. So you don't need an Allen key to adjust the bearings. This one, you need the Allen key, but you still have the thumb screws to bring the, the bearings in. So that to me is a plus because the when you have to do everything by hand, you can't like you have to move it by your hand. You can't just turn a thumb screw and get these micro adjustments. Mm-hmm. My adjustment was I push it in, I'd push it in too far, I'd pull it back out, it'd be too far. It was a, it was a real pain. But I'm really happy to get it. Um, I can't wait to get it dialed in, set up. I'm really looking forward to using it. And actually, the f- couple like little things that I needed to do, I'm like, oh, I could use my bandsaw. And I'm going, don't rush it. I want to set it up right. You know, make sure it's fine before I hit that on on switch because I don't want something you know blowing apart that I'm not aware of. But it's definitely an upgrade. Came with a mobile base as well. But the mobile base is not the one for this one, mm-hmm. so it's too big. So I have to cut it down, make it right. Anyway, um, French cleat wall is still being a thorn in my side. It's sitting next to my bench right now. So that's going to be going up this weekend, hopefully, I think. Um, and then on top of that, I can only mention a little bit. Josh knows the story. I don't want to really do a tease on this, on this podcast, but it's a really special announcement that I wanted to say. And I got a special project in the works that probably by next episode, I'll be able to really touch on. And uh, it's a big project. Uh, Definitely, definitely up there. 
So that's all I can say. You know, I don't want to do too much of a tease, um, but I will talk about it as soon as I know the good news on it. And that's kind of that's kind of my rant on what's in my shop. It's all good, man. You have a lot going on right now between the wedding, <laughs> new tools, and you know that special secret project that you're working on. Oh yeah, special secret secret project. Ooper super duper secret. Do you know about this secret project? Yeah, you told me. I, I know. I'm just joking. Oh, you're gonna hurt my feelings there. I'm like. <laughs> You told me, like, is there another one? I wish there was another super secret project. So anyway, hey, we got a question, and it's from a faithful listener of the Sawdust Nation, and that is from Trails Custom Woodworks on the big old IG. Okay, so Trails Custom Woodworks wrote in and said, what are you guys' thoughts on jointers? I have a six-inch flex jointer currently. <laughs> I can't do this with you laughing at me. What the hell, man? Anyway, I have a 6-inch Craftex oh, joiner currently, and I'm not happy with it. I've been looking at the 8-inch Heracle Head Laguna joiner recently. That seems to be going around. What are your thoughts? Are there other brands I could look for? You know, he he mentioned 6-inch joiner that he has now. I actually had to look up Craftex because I, I thought maybe it was his uh, phone going, you know, um, autocorrect. So anyway, when I read this question... Um, you know, I have a six inch uh, Craftsman joiner that I picked up and, you know, it's got straight blades on it and I would love to put a helical head and, you know, I would love to get a new one. I would love to get a larger joiner, but, I, you know, the one that I have fits in my shop perfect. It's perfect for what I need it for. And on top of that, a helical head is available for it. So eventually down the road, I might go helical head. Um I've watched some videos of it. You know, the smoothness of the cut is much better. You don't have to deal. I deal with, I don't know if you do on your joiner, but I was doing some, uh, it was a maple, purple heart and walnut glue up. And when I went through that, the very tail end, it kind of not sniped it, but it kind of chipped at the very tail. Um, So I'm guessing with a helical, you probably won't get that. So, the, you know, there's a few reasons that I would go helical. Um, definitely that's, you know, everybody's going that way. Much quieter too, which I heard. And it's kind of a nice thing because that joiner is loud with those straight blades. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I have the Grizzly 6-inch and uh, actually got that off Marketplace too. Straight, you know, straight blades, helical head would definitely be a nice upgrade and it is available, which maybe someday. Mm-hmm. But uh, going back to what you experienced might be not – necessarily the blades but how your um your infeed and outfeed table is set up mm-hmm. I, I was almost thinking it was um now when you say set up are you saying the depth of the cut or that they're not not level but they're not okay i'll let you indulge into the what setup is so it could be that the tables are not level to each other the depth of the cut uh-huh. is too much or um not adjusted correctly um, there, it could be a multitude of different things. And I'm getting this information because I've had that issue when adjusted my, uh, outfeed and actually solved the issue. Um, also, mm. you know, done the YouTube thing. And, you know, when I first got mine, researched a couple of common issues and they had a couple of videos of, I forget who it was, but they got a brand new grizzly and they set theirs up. And what they did is they ran over with a scrap piece a couple of times and they kept getting that blowout at the back end mm-hmm. and they adjusted their tables and made sure they were level and straight and that fixed the issue. Hmm. 
Okay, I'll have to ch- I'll have to check that next time I'm in the shop. If if I was to change um, joiners today, and I had a budget of some sort, so I can't say unlimited because we would just go you know ham on it and get the largest one you could. But if I was to go, I think you are calling me out, sir. Um, well, you would have one that's like an accordion style. So if you needed a six inch, you'd go six inch, and then you'd go like forty seven and a half three quarters inches. That's a number. <laughs> it would come out of the wall. Like when I didn't need it, it would slide into the wall and that space would be available. And when I needed it, it would come out of the mm-hmm. wall and turn. Ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, you're all experiencing uh, Dream Shop Josh with his accordion style building, with his accordion style tools. They can uh, change to the, they can adapt and overcome. Any piece of wood. Well, no, I mean, like, it'd be on a rail system. So, I mean, like, it'd come out and turn and then turn and go back. When you needed it, it would automatically come out. It's possible. It's, it's an idea. I, I, anyway, so an eight inch helical head. So, if you were to go, my, my choice would be I see a lot of guys using Powermatics, a lot of guys using uh, Lagunas. The Grizzly's a big one out there as well. But the, I think the two top dogs out there would be a Laguna. Or a Powermatic. I personally, I like how the Powermatics, I mean, you know, I know looks isn't a, a, you know, about the functionality of it, but I really like the look of the Powermatic because it looks like a sturdy piece of machinery. Like it can go through anything and it's going to come out, you know, on top each time. The, the Laguna, same thing, but I don't know. I would lean more towards my power of a Powermatic. I don't know price range, um, so I don't know the difference, you know, between the Laguna and the Powermatic. But, hey, you kind of, you know, if you could find one on sale, maybe, and, you know, I know Laguna does have an outlet store as well Mm -hmm. that um, I believe, like, some things might be dinged or something like that where it still functions properly, but, like, maybe the, the stand has a little bit of a ding in it or something like that where they can't sell it you know, as a brand, brand new one, because it's something happened in shipping. You might even be able to get a discount on that. Um, maybe they even have secondhand ones, you know, somewhere. I don't know where I'd find an eight inch joiner. Facebook marketplace only has like joiners from like the, uh, from like World War One. Oh, they either have that or they have the, you know, the, the 48 inch <laughs> commercial. <laughs> it's, it's no in between yes, yeah. there at all. It's like a joiner, planer, table saw. It does it all in one shot. Nice, right? I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know either. I'm dreaming. So my thoughts on that is I'm going to have to agree with you, AJ, is uh, I would go Laguna or Powermatic. My problem is I like the Powermatic because it's, it's a hefty machine. It, I, I've seen them. Mm-hmm. I don't own one. But uh, I, I like how they have a history, a long history of them working really, really well and being a quality machine. Laguna I, is also a really good brand. You can't go wrong with either one of these at all. Um, the price is going to be really the deciding factor, especially if I was going to go buy this. But the Laguna, it looks good, but I mean, the functionality, I'm more about functionality. You know, the Powermatic mm-hmm. doesn't need to look, you know, sleek and everything in my shop. It just needs to work and work really well. Um, Laguna, you know, they, they do look sleek. I like their, you know, their colors. I like how it looks. If I had one, I would definitely be talking it up, but no doubt. 
I would definitely go helical head, and if you can, go with the eight inch and not the six. Because if you're going to do an upgrade like that, upgrade. You know, there is somebody. I, I think he's not too far from you who has a Powermatic uh, joiner, but I think it might be a six inch. Um, yeah, I think NPG Creations might have one. I, yeah, I remember seeing it in his uh, in his shop when I went to go visit him that one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I even mentioned it. In fact, isn't he it, loves it. Like, isn't it on wheels? Couldn't you have just rolled it out and he would have never known? Um, I think he would have noticed <laughs> the way his shop is set up just a little bit, and he knows where I live, so I, it's kind of hard. Look, man, just close the garage door when you see him coming, and he he won't notice. Just tell him like you found it on Facebook. <laughs> I found it on the side of the road. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody was giving it away. You do realize I drive a hatchback, and to get that into my car, I would need help. So I'd be like oh, rolling no, it no. out. Hey, man, give me you a just, hand. You just roll it down the street into your driveway. That I live about a half mile away and I have to go through two gates. It it's might a, be kind of difficult. It's a Powermatic joiner. True. You know what I could have done? I could have jerry-rigged a scooter, <laughs> tied it to the scooter, and then slowly went through. Anyway. We like rabbit holes, if you, no one could tell. Yeah. Here, I just looked up some information on the Powermatic and the Laguna. Um, the Powermatic 8-inch joiner has a two has a helical head as well. The one that I typed in is 2500 and that's coming from... But Northern Tools is... I've found that they're usually a little bit more expensive. Um, but it's it goes from like 2000 to 2500 The Laguna... I found for about 1800 So hmm. if you could get the one, uh, actually Woodcraft Supply has one. It's a Powermatic 8-inch, and it's 2000 So if you're spending 2000 versus $18, you are only a couple hundred bucks off. So, you know, at that point, it kind of goes, is there, do you want to stick with the Laguna or would you want to go with another brand? Laguna is a little cheaper uh, from what I found, and... The Powermatic's a little bit more money. Are you paying for just a name or is there actually a reason that it's a couple hundred dollars more? It's hard to say. Absolutely. Because the hardest thing, especially with quality tools that I've been seeing is if you're paying a certain price for it and you experienced this yourself um, when you bought your uh, first meter saw, mm-hmm. you know, you bought a meter saw, it had functionality like the major brands, mm-hmm. but it didn't function like the major brands. So, you know, you learn that lesson, but you also have to be careful. You know, when are you starting to pay just for the brand? Yeah. Because you, a lot of these brands, you know, they're adding that into prices, you know, all the advertising, everything they do. And I will say, maybe this is inexperience talking, but I don't see Powermatic advertising as much as I do see Laguna. Yeah, it's true. I, every once in a while, I'll see something like maybe on, on, on Instagram, the only time I think I ever saw it really, really advertised was I think Rockler might have had a, a thing that came out or Woodcraft sent me an email and they might have had a sale going, which is another thing. Watch out for the newsletters coming to your email because I know Rockler usually has something going on. Woodcraft Supply always has something going on. And um, I believe right now Rockler's running a Laguna sale, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that email as well. But yeah, I 100% agree is I I see more Laguna. And that might just be, you know, the way the advertisements are catered to us. But uh, Power Mac's been around such a long time that uh, they don't really need to advertise. 
you know, the quality stands for itself. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely does. I mean, you see a lot of the top guys using the Powermatics. I know a few people using the Lagunas and they love them. It's with anything. You, you have the diehard fans, Powermatic, everything. You have the diehard fans, Jet, everything. You know, I picked up my joiner because it was cheap and right around the corner from my house or, you know, not too far away. And that's what I'm sticking with until either that dies or I get the funds to buy something much better. Um, but you could also maybe even find an older model cheaper of an eight inch. I don't, you know, I don't see them around all the time, but you might have to do a little bit of hunting. If it's still functioning, who cares if it's not brand spanking new and has a little bit of surface rust, you can clean it up. You can make it new to you. Yeah. And if you spend $600 or $700 on it, you put a $400 vehicle head and then you have a machine and you save money on yeah. I mean, we, we, we hunt market, marketplace. We hunt marketplace quite a bit looking for tools that we like or would like to add to the shop. That's how he's found his uh, bandsaw. That's how mm-hmm. I found my joiner, my drill press. I'm not here to spend a lot of money on my tools. You know, if I can save a couple hundred dollars, even a thousand dollars here and there, I'm buying a used tool. And I've had a run of luck when it comes to marketplace where most of my major tools that I bought are coming from older gentlemen that mm. are getting rid of them because they're moving, because they need to make more room, and they managed those tools and took care of them at such a level. I'm getting the instruction handbook. I'm getting maintenance records. I'm getting them spinning it up and you know testing it right in front of me. And you know that the tool you're getting, <laughs> it's a legit tool. It's been taken care of. I've lucked out. And I'm not saying that that's going to be, you know, something you're going to be able to find because it's, I call it a unicorn for a reason, mm-hmm. but uh, that's where I personally start. And that's where I also get a good idea of like what's out there. Start asking around like you did on uh, with your question of people, you know, that have Laguna and that have Powermatic. Ask them why they went with that. Yeah. And AJ, you hit it perfect. You got diehards out there. They want only Laguna. Laguna this, Laguna that, Laguna that. They have diehards for Powermatic. Powermatic this, Powermatic that. Me, I'm honestly, I like certain brands because I've used them and I like their quality. But if I can find a brand that's decent and I've done my research and like it, I'm going to probably pick that up mm-hmm. and I'm going to use it. And I'm going to do what you're going to do is ride it till it dies. Yeah, it definitely is. Now, the only other thing, and most guys on here i don't know if trails has any 230 in the shop at this point but you know let's just say your electric panel is not close enough to run 230 let's say you just don't you know you don't have it in your shop now these both joiners are 230 he's looking for an eight inch so i'm kind of guessing he has 230 but that's also a factor in there as well um specs go on there both sheets they're just 230 that's it no 115 conversion so yeah, because once you start getting past six cents, you're going to need that power to you know oh, yeah. get through that material. Yeah, definitely. But if if you do it, compare the Powermatic to the Laguna, they are almost identical by the the weight, the length, the depth of cut, the rabbit cut. So pretty much you're getting the same exact thing. It's just who do you want to go with, and it's personal preference at that point. Or you go price point if you don't care about a name then you kind of go with whatever the cheapest one that you can find out of a couple different, you know, uh, name brands. Sales too. We're coming at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a lot of sales coming up. And if you can wait 
until the beginning of next year, there's going to be even more sales. Keep saying it, but I just went on Woodcraft site. I literally clicked on it. The second I came onto it, it said, uh, sign up now and save 10%. Even if you, you know, if you're not a member of it, you can sign up. You got 10% off of your first purchase. And that was for the Laguna eight inch. So it's 18, 1800 free shipping and 10% off. Yeah, even the free shipping alone is going to mm-hmm. save you that money. Not a bad deal. Man, either one you're looking at, at least from my perspective, is a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what it comes down to, and HE, you know, told you some of those specs, it's really in where you want to go with what brand, you know, what you want to see in your shop. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get another Craftsman joiner, six inch, and I'm going to, I'm going to bolt them together. Then I'm going to have a 12 inch. Double head. But I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to have one pointing one way and one pointing the other. You don't think it'll work? Uh, this seems like an episode of Jack. <laughs> what, what not to do. Anyway. Yeah, pretty much. I was joking, everybody. I'm sorry for... Or are we? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm too tired at this point. So I hope we answered the question enough, but now I want a new joiner. You need a new one. I've actually sent nah. one to you off Marketplace that was near you, and you ignored my message. I don't believe I did because I I definitely don't have any messages. So you right. you straight up ignored it. Jesus, <laughs> I didn't sure. even get a response. Anyway, okay, so we were doing some experimenting, and no, not the experimenting that you're thinking of. Stop <laughs> laughing, family show. Anyway, we're talking about glue and stain the other day, and how you know these small mistakes, how to cover them up, but then when you get to stain. How do you, how does that interact with each other? Because if you've ever stained anything after you glued it, you know, you're going to find some, you know, little pieces here and you got to go back and you're going to have to sand and get rid of it. So we did, you know, a couple test pieces. Like we said, we were going to do like five episodes ago. We finally (laughs) got to it. And uh, AJ and I have some results. We didn't test across the board with different types of wood. Because, you know, if you stained walnut, I, I don't want to talk to you guys anyway. You know, we took some pine, we took a chisel, we made some, we hit it a couple of times, and then we went back and we did some testing. So personally, what I did is I tried the whole glue and sawdust, mixing it together separately and then applying it. And then I went and I tried putting glue into the cut or the divot and then sanding over it and wood filler. Uh, I forget the brand. Um... I would have to go take a look to tell you, but I tried wood filler as well. And then I let that dry and I sanded it down like I normally would. And I treated this like I was finishing a piece because that's what we're going for. We want to see how that has been finished. And then I took some dark stain, which I planned on doing dark and light to try to see what the difference was. And I went over it with just a dark stain. And what I found was when I did the mix with the sawdust and the glue separately and applied it, not only was it harder to remove because I just I slapped it on there so when it dried, it didn't shriek too much. Um, it didn't stain well at all. Like the glue, maybe I mixed too much glue in it and not enough sawdust, but it didn't look like I would want to give a customer. And then I'm going to skip to the last one, the wood filler. I haven't found a wood filler that works really good with stain at all. Maybe it's just the brands I keep running into, but that didn't work. I will say the sanding with glue already in the joint Mm -hmm. worked the best. 
What did you find, man? Are you finding the same results? I mean, not, we didn't do it in the same shop, so uh-huh. maybe you did something differently, found something. Well, while you were talking about the um, wood filler, I use Plastic Wood X. It goes on pink and then dries to a natural color. Um, and then on top of that, while I was searching for that, I came upon a Minwax Stainable Wood Filler. So I'm really curious about this. Um, I have read about glues that were stainable. Uh, Elmer's actually had one. Really? Yeah. I tried it in the very, very beginning, and I don't remember if it actually worked or not, so I don't want to speak out of terms, but um, I don't remember what it was called. Maybe Elmer's like Max or something like that. I'll try looking it up. I think I tried looking that up not too long ago, and I, f- I did find something, but uh, I never ordered it because all the reviews said that it didn't work very well. Yeah, it it was exactly this. Um, it says it's stainable. Here, I'm going to read it right now. Uh, one, it says sandable and paintable, resist mold, la, la, la. They're ha- yeah, waterproof and stainable. So I, I would like to try it again. Maybe it would work. Um, but for for this purpose, wood filler, I never had any luck with stain. It doesn't take it well unless I guess you could try that that um, Minwax one. Maybe it does work. But in my – I don't like using wood filler. If I can avoid it at all costs, I will. Even the, – the only time I really used it was I screwed up some keyholes on the back of a sign. They actually got – routed on the on the bottom of the sign so they weren't <laughs> where it would hang and be visible so anyway i filled those in with wood filler you know it worked for that application and it was on the back so you didn't have to worry about it but to close up a a joint of some sort the sawdust and glue trick with taking a bunch of sawdust mixing it with glue i didn't have any luck with that over the course of this whole time that i've been doing this woodworking journey because Every time I'd mix it, it would either be too thick or too thin. So I'd have too much glue or too little. And um, it was, it still showed. It, the, the glue still mm-hmm. came through, especially even, even if it was too thick and there wasn't a lot of glue in it, the stain still didn't adhere well. And here's my other problem. I never remember to save the sawdust. So, I, you know, I, now I'm trying to scrounge around to get that sawdust to mix in it. And the one that you touched on, sanding with glue on the joint. So you pretty much you take a miter that's not you know tight enough. You put a little glue down. You sand it with your random orbit, and the glue mixes with the um, the sawdust. And I mean, it almost disappears completely. I do not have any experience with staining it afterwards because I only did that on one project, and that was the cutting board I did. But it worked out very well. And it hid the imperfection in the miters. Um, and you did that with hardwood. And I was going to touch on that quickly, too, is we use a lot of pine. And with me, especially, my customers want pine because it's cheap and they want uh, it stained. Now, I'm trying to get away from that. But regardless, you know, the customer wants what the customer wants. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, finding these tricks and tips helps in the long run. <clears throat> if you're going to use just hardwood, you can literally fill it with glue and sand over it, and you're not going to have to worry about it. It's going to fill it completely. Yeah, it, you know, and I was actually on the hunt to find some kind of way to cover up those bad miters because 
you know, I'm doing this nice cutting board. It's my very first one. I want to hand it over to the customer and have them look at it and say, wow, not say those miters. And this guy was actually a woodworker previously. He got, he kind of got out of it, um, but he used mainly the lathe and, um, but he reached out, asked if I could make it. And I didn't want to hand him something with imperfections in it. You know, Mm -hmm. they weren't that loose of a miter, but they were loose enough that I could see it. And I know he would have picked up on it. So I was uh, scrolling through Instagram and I came upon a video that Dan had posted uh, from Daniel Dunlap Woodworks. He showed that exact trick. And it was almost like in the perfect timing because I was literally staring at the cutting board going, okay, now I got to sand a piece of walnut to get that sawdust to mix with that glue. And I was scrolling through, came upon his video and he goes, you know, put some glue down on the miter and sand it. And his miter literally went completely away and it disappeared. You didn't see it. Put the phone down. I slapped some glue on it, sanded it. And let me tell you, that miter completely disappeared and filled it in perfectly. So I was happy about that. It's a really, really good trick. And that's the only one that's worked for me. Absolutely. I agree. It's the only one that has came close to being sustainable, the only one that really mm-hmm. hides anything. And if you're using like any kind of hardwood when you're not going to stain it, it, you can use it and you get away with it. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. That was on the walnut. It literally turned out perfect. But yeah, wood filler for me, eh. the sawdust with the glue, eh. my go-to is put the glue on and then sand it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something I grew into, though, because when I first started, it was wood filler, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I knew, you know what I'm saying? So I was buying wood filler, trying to use it. But uh, after I learned, you know, did some research and whatnot, the glue and, uh, you know, sawdust was basically my go-to. What I do is I use my D-Walt. I take off the bag and use what's in there because that's what I've been sanding. See, my other my other issue was I never used the bag on it. I think I might have used it for the very first day. And then I got a hose to attach to my shop vac. So now all of it's mixing, you know, with each other. So I, I didn't want to use the bag because it, I mean, it threw sawdust all over the place and I was trying to minimize it. So every time I thought about keeping sawdust in little containers, I go, well, it's going into my shop vac. So I can't just, you know, take it out of there. And I'd have to empty out, empty out the whole shop vac to, you know, get a little bit of sawdust. So that's why I never had it on hand anyway. Yeah, the only reason I don't use, I, I have that same adapter and I, I try to use the shop vac, but the shop vac is actually louder mm-hmm. than my actual sander. So, I mean, like, so there's times where I need to be quieter and nah. that's why I go to the bag. I have the Rockler dust collection too, that's uh, a hard bag essentially. Uh-huh. And that does really well too. Uh-huh. And I use that. And like, it usually doesn't shoot that much sawdust around. I get to see exactly how full it is because it's kind of see-through mm-hmm. and it has a filter in the end that allows air to escape and filters that air. Well, that's all I got for that question. Uh, we did a little test trial and that's the results we got, but, uh, I think we're going to wrap up this episode. And with that, you can always DM AJ at crafted and NJ or myself at North Country Woodworking and we also have the Sawdust Nation podcast page you could DM us at. We love voicemails and we love to hear from you. We also have a email set up so you can send us a voice recording there. And uh, you could send that to sawdustnationpodcast at gmail.com. I wasn't ready for that. You like you you like <laughs> lobbed it to me. <laughs> you caught it. It's fine. 
anyway. Everything's fine here. Anyway, um, also, uh, hey, my offer still stands to everybody who I only got a couple messages about the uh, stickers that I can send out. So I do have more stickers for myself. So I could send them out. Just send me your information and I will get a couple sent your way. Uh, Josh said he'll send you what? Wait a minute. You're just sending stickers? I believe you promised anyone that wanted a sticker and a little piece of spalted maple. Uh, well, I still have, I don't even know how many board feet of spalted maple. So, I, yeah, I can shave off a little sliver of it. <laughs> Use those planes you got. Yeah, same here. I, I would love to, you know, guys message us for a sticker. We'll send them out to you. Yep. Actually got a couple in this last week as well. But uh, we do have a new Facebook page, so go ahead and check us out on there as well. If uh, you're not an Instagram person, we do have Facebook. Basically see what we're posting and what we're doing on there. You know, we're still working on stickers for the actual podcast. Mm-hmm. That's going to be in the works. Uh, AJ and I are sitting down finalizing some designs. But uh, that's all I got for this week. That's all I got. Until next time. See ya. See ya. I think uh, we filled that crack.